Welcome to Her Skin, a podcast about the minority experience. I'm Abby Chinaya. A year ago, I started a photography series called Light Skin, Dark Skin, following the stories of brown women and their experiences with colorism. Now I'm taking things a step further. I'm having discussions about diversity, skin color, race, inclusivity, and everything in between. Hi, Neela. Welcome to Herisk in the podcast. It's good to have you today. Thank you for having me. So, Neelam, we met at university. <laughs> Such a long time ago now. Oh my gosh. What's it been like? Four years? Oh no, more than four more years. More than four years. I graduated in 2014. So, so did I. Yeah, so that's over six years ago. It is over six yeah. years ago. Because we did a couple of classes together. Yeah, we did. Yeah. I can't remember what it was now. English, I, I think. Anthropology and or sociology? Sociology. Yeah. So I was like, I didn't do anthropology. Well, about a psych paper, maybe, because my, my major's psych, so oh, yeah. possibly as well. <laughs> I can't believe we did sociology. That was so long ago. I know. It was I a good class, that. too. We had a good set of people that we were always stuck with, too, Yeah, which is cool. No, yeah. it was really, really good. And then I reconnected with you a year ago. Yeah. Well, you were always, I, I always I had you on social and stuff. Yeah, I was like, same. So like, I'd always see updates of yeah. what you were doing. Um, and then, yeah, circled back to light skin, dark skin. Yeah. And you were part of the exhibition. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Well, thank you for letting me be part of it. It's such a good exhibition. Like, uh, it's something I'm really passionate about as well. And just seeing everybody else's stories about how they've dealt with discrimination and racism in their life in some form, it's just interesting so interesting that everybody has a story but from a different perspective Mm -hmm. and it's just everywhere like you can't hide from it it's everywhere yeah and that was the whole point of it I think I wanted to show a diverse range of stories but it was all like a common experience too wasn't it yeah like uh, overall it was branching from the same same thing of you know all of us being in New Zealand, all of us still experiencing parts of this discrimination, racism over our lifetimes. And we're all from different parts of New Zealand as well. It's not just like we're all stuck in Auckland or, you know. And so it means it's a national, global thing at the moment, at the moment. Jeez. And I remember having to work around our schedules because you were meant to be at the Paralympics this year. (laughs) Well, planning to so I was supposed to qualify then possibly be going um but yeah now with COVID everything has changed yeah. so um yeah at the moment I think everything's still on hold like they're still trying to plan things for next year like being hopeful but yeah don't know what's happening at the moment because COVID's still quite apparent overseas and the qualifying round was in Lima yeah, so it was going to be in Lima, Peru, um, end of May. So end of May, we're still in lockdown, <laughs> um, which unfortunately I was really looking forward to going and just being in a new place, new environment, and just testing how I'd shoot over in a different environment all by myself as well because I've always traveled with a team. Um, and it was some, a new experience that I was really looking forward to and, yeah, it just all went kaput. <laughs> in a sudden instance so um I guess going forward next year they're trying to plan to do it again um but as we know Lima's quite heavily affected by COVID at the moment so I guess it's just a wait and see 
and will the Olympics, well, I guess with the Paralympics, you don't know where that's going to be. Will it be in Tokyo as well? Or? Yeah, so both Olympic and Paralympics are still planned to go ahead next year at the same time frame as it was going to be this year. But I guess looking at how the world's going at the moment, we don't know what's happening. So I guess, and especially for, I guess, all athletes, but in particular para-athletes and Paralympians, um, catching something like COVID is a huge risk for us because we already have like, you know, suppressed immune systems or, or immune systems that won't be able to manage things like flus and things. So yeah, we have a higher risk of being able to compete in such a big pandemic happening at the moment. So I guess we're just having to play it by air, see how the whole world goes this time next year and then we get more information as it comes but fingers crossed it does happen and we can actually start traveling again because otherwise I think they would leave the Paralympics for this one and then wait till 2024 which is in Paris so that's quite a long way away yeah for people that have been training for the past say four years since Rio to have to wait eight years till their next big like Paralympic or Olympic event is quite heartbreaking because some athletes this was going to be their final their final Paralympics Olympics because of the time frame and because of their careers and things and everything else happening in between so for them not to get their chance and them having to work another four years it's a quite a big push because a lot of life can happen yeah. in four years yeah. let alone eight right exactly so yeah I guess time will tell but for me personally I have not put a cap on when I'm gonna stop so I'm I'm pretty pretty set on just getting there good on you so when did you start sharpshooting it's called sharpshooting um it's called well it's shooting parasport shooting parasport yeah so um I started it properly in 2012 so I guess I did shooting before that as a young kid um, and I always enjoyed it It was kind of like a secret secret passion I had because back then swimming and music were my biggest focuses so shooting wasn't and not many people knew that I liked shooting so then I did a high school competition and was like oh this is actually really really cool like I want to keep doing this so I trained from the first competition I tried Every Friday leading up to the next competition the following year, I would go to the range and shoot with all these like um, experienced shooters and nobody from school and just me and my stepdad and one of the guys that was coaching me through the schooling competition. And he he just, you know, it was really good. Like we, we worked towards trying to just get the best shot possible and all that. And then by the next competition, our team, because you have to do it in teams, got first in New Zealand. So it was really cool. Like I'd always been a natural, natural shooter. Um, and then moved down here for uni. And then somebody told me they were shooting down here. And I was like, okay. And then some, and then it was with Parafed Auckland. And I never, ever heard of Parafed Auckland. Didn't even know that it could be done as a disability sport because I'd been competing against Bods. And then, yeah, just slowly picked up from there. And then I started competing nationally in 2013. And then my first overseas competition was end of 2014. Wow. Yeah. So you've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. So seven years now. That's amazing. Yeah. When I look at it, it doesn't feel like that long. But I guess when I look at all the steps I've had to go through to get where I am, 
yeah, it's taken a while. And I read that you would be the first woman in 30 years to be competing. Yeah, so if I, um, if I go to um, yeah, the Paralympics, then I'll be the first woman in over 30 years to compete in shooting as a para sport because we haven't had anybody since 1984. So, and if I, if I do it, because now I also do, because I do rifle and pistol, if I do pistol at the Paralympic Games, I'll be the first ever woman in New Zealand to do pistol at Paralympic Games. That is amazing. Or New Zealand. <laughs> has, has there just not been enough women competing in the sport? Well, surprisingly, in para sport, um, there's been a lot of push and a lot of involvement of women over the past maybe five years. So you'll see, like, majority of the swimmers that we have are women, like Sophie Pascoe, we've had Rebecca Dubber, um, we've got big names like um, Katie Horan, who used to be a runner and is now well retired cyclist. We've got quite a big cycling team as well. Um, shooting in particular, though, I guess overseas, when internationally, women dominate dominate the, all the playing fields, which is so cool. But here in New Zealand, we haven't had that many. So in the past five years... I've usually only been the only one competing internationally and it's only been since beginning of last year that we've had another female on the team. Mm. So it is something that we're trying to step up, but it's very hard to get into, especially since it's self-funded and, you know, having a disability means you've got a lot more extra cost to things and people don't really have the time or the financial stability to be able to do that so even for me like I don't have the financial stability the only reason that I can do this is because I have the support of my parents but also I work damn hard to make sure that I can do this regardless of what my living situation is so I live within my means because I only work part-time as well so all the money that I get I do it on basic like the basics and then anything a little bit extra then I'm like cool go to shooting get some pallets get like get equipment do what I need to do and just go from there because you are a true athlete yeah trying to be <laughs> you are and your work <laughs> ethic is incredible yeah. oh, I try to be honestly it's it's hard sometimes like especially this year like trying to keep that momentum going and trying to get back into training and get you know get those routines going so hard especially through lockdown it was difficult like the first month I had my training lockdown I was still doing you know I was still training but trying to work around my parents schedule because I was at home and then you know being down here it's because I've got access to the range now which is great it's still hard for me to try and get back into it so it's all I guess because we've got a little bit more time this year as well it means I can use it to try other things and still be able to shoot so yeah just I find it it's a year of change year of experiences 2020 (laughs) is an interesting one yeah, definitely not what anybody had planned out. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Yeah. So in terms of the sport itself, are there many women of colour? Um, well, because of, I guess, being an international, there are quite a lot of different countries. Like, you know, people like one of the girls that dominates on the field, um, she's from the US, Um I guess the the Indian team has got this awesome Indian female who's so young. She's less than 20 years old, I'm pretty sure. And she's brand new on the scene and she dominates dominates hard. So I guess women of colour, is it's a big, it's a diverse, diverse sport. You, they're not like, you know, 
there's so many different types of cultures and you know backgrounds out there um I wouldn't say I, I guess it's something that still needs work on because even looking at it there's only one female on the Indian team there's only two females on our team and I'm one only of color out of even just looking at our team I am the only one of color at the moment so and our team's not even that big so you know um yeah and I guess yeah Australia doesn't have has only one female and yeah I guess I've never looked at it like that before but there's cultures yes there's a big diverse plate of cultures but women of colour, yeah, it's not that big without looking at it. Because in your light skin, dark skin story, you talked about how when you were in Australia mm. and the lady put you down as being from India. Yeah, that was a bit of a shell shock moment for me because I was there with my helper who happened to be my mum, also Fijian, Indian, like, you know, can see different colour skin us wearing the black uniform with the New Zealand and the fern and we went over to book our times in and straight away without her even asking she just put down India and I was like um excuse me that's wrong and she was like oh and then looked up and was like oh I'm so sorry um what does it need to be and I'm like New Zealand like you know and so she was very apologetic like she she, I pretty much got away with murder with her (laughs) after that because she was so apologetic which I like you know I at the time I said you know like as I do I go it's okay like you know it was just a mistake but in actual fact it wasn't okay if I felt hurt which I did I should have said something and been educated her a bit and been like hey look I don't want to be rude but you know, that's not right. You should have asked me. Mm-hmm. And she even said, like, cause I even said, I think I did say to her, I was like, could you not tell that we were from New Zealand? Cause we're the only ones in black uniform. And she was like, Oh, I did wonder why you guys were wearing black and the others were wearing the orange, white and green. Oh. So I was like, um, does that not indicate, or even our voices? We sound like you guys, <laughs> like we don't have accents. Like mum's got a slight accent, but even that, you could instantly tell it's Kiwi, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it was a bit of a shell shock. And unfortunately, mum experienced that um, again upstairs doing something for the New Zealand team. And then somebody mistake, mistook her for being on the Indian team. And she was like, no, I'm from New Zealand. And, you know, what do you say to that in the moment? Like, there's so many things you can think of saying after the fact. But in that moment, because, you know, you have to look at everything around you. You're like... I'm not a rude person. I don't want to just blatantly tell you off in front of everybody. I don't want to make you look like a fool. I don't want to make me look like a fool. But, you know, trying to educate someone in that moment is really hard. I so agree with that. And it's always after the fact that you think about it and Mm. think I should have done something. Because there was a story which I talked about in Light Skin, Dark Skin. It was a social setting. Mm. And it was a barbecue. And this was one of the bigger events that spearheaded the whole series so we were quite a fairly big group of us people that I kind of knew and we were sitting at a table and there was a man there who was older and started making some rude comments about Indian culture in general Mm -hmm. so long story short didn't like me 
um, and then when he left, yelled, bye, curry muncher, over my head. Oh, my God. And How do people think that's okay? I know. I So I was quite, quite upset. I was very upset, and I have been thinking about it a bit more since. And like you said, there were things that I could have said at the event that I didn't. I just came home and cried, really. And I called my friend and I just cried. And I said, I don't know how this happens. And I, being in a social situation, and also completely let my guard down mm-hmm. and therefore was more vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. So that was really tough. But I think from now moving forward, if I am in a situation like that, I will speak up. To the yeah. best of my ability, because it's easy to just sit here and be like, I'm going to say something, and then it happens, and you're just sitting there shocked and yeah, it's not being hard. able to say like, anything. It's, like, I agree with that. If I hear something now, then straight away I'll be like, that's not right. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you can still get shell-shocked from it, because you're like, how can people be so inhumane? Yeah. And just, you know, blatantly be racist and discriminate you just from the colour of your skin? Like, for example... You can tell that both of us have lived here because of our accents, right? Like, we don't have, I say strong accents, we've got strong New Zealand accents, right? But people will still be like, no, you're of colour, you know, you don't belong here, you're not from here. It's like, no, I've been brought up here, I belong here, you have no right to tell me I don't. Or it's like the question that um, we talked about as well, where are you from? Yeah, I hate that. (laughs) And when you say New Zealand, it's no... Where are you actually, actually from? from? The actually part, I'm like, I'm actually from New Zealand. And they're like, oh, okay. I had even um, a situation. <laughs> um, it happens all the time, like all the time. So I was coming back home from a night out with a friend or something. I was coming back home anyway. Um, and there was a person sitting on the ground um, outside my room, but to, at another doorway. And um, he was sitting there, an Indian follow and um and I was getting my key out to put him at my door and then he looked at me looked at my wheelchair looked at me and was like where are you from like didn't say hi it was just like where are you from and I'm like I'm from here and then I could tell I'm like okay and then he was like like they go always go what happened and I'm like nothing happened and then he's like no where are you from and I'm like I'm from here and then I got into my room and shut the door and I was like how do people feel that it's okay to just blatantly asked yeah i just thought you know like, even people you know those of those own hard-hitting questions like even culture I find can still be go, oh, discriminatory can. as well um because usually what they do is they try and find out where you're from and then they start like even for me i get people that try and speak hindi to me and i don't like it when people other people that i don't know try speaking to me in hindi because one i don't speak the language at all but i do understand it and stand some of it so when I hear my family talk I'm used to that like that's what I know if I hear anybody else talking I'm like I don't know what you're saying like it's I don't know how to respond to you you know it's interesting yeah I have that a lot and it's I don't know what the term to use for this is when it also happens from other like it's coming from other brown people yeah um and I, I don't know actually what it's called, but you feel uncomfortable and you shouldn't have really, to feel yeah. like that, you know? And this one always catches people off guard because they'll be like, well, where are you from? I'll be like, born in New Zealand, spent time in Malaysia. And they're like, Malaysia? 
exotic Indian. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and they're like, Malaysia? Like, it never occurred to them? Mm. And I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, could I not be from Malaysia? It's mm. always really funny just seeing... Yeah. Because I guess when you have been brought up and you... I don't... You understand what you have been brought up with, right? And yeah. when it's outside of that zone, you don't get it. Yeah. And you don't, like, you feel like you don't understand something that you... And it feels like something you've missed understanding. Yeah. So in actual fact, it's not something that you've missed understanding. It's something that you're probably higher in knowledge about because you haven't gone through such a narrow-minded step like that step that that person's put you in at that moment. So, yeah, it's... Yeah, I, I always get that, and I just I kind of sit there and go, how do I answer this? So my answer to everything is like, there's nothing wrong. I was like, where are you from? New Zealand. No, really, actually, where are you from? I'm actually from New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, I've done that too. My tone of voice will completely change. Yeah, because you, like, you start off being who you are, and then it's like you have to be stern, and you'll be like, back off. Yeah. And I don't like being that person. Like, you don't like being that person. Nobody likes being that person. But it's just because people can't accept your answer which makes me so furious because you don't see like you know european kiwis or anything going like getting asked the same question and then being like oh i'm from new zealand they're like okay that's fine that's a great answer carry on you don't get that it's not explored further like you said in your story right yeah and it's just horrible because you're like well i should be able to represent my country comfortably without you guys putting your input and actually saying it to me at the same time because now i'm going Oh crap, how many other people see me like that? Is it because I'm of colour or is it because I'm not like representing my country properly or, you know? So it makes you question a lot, but at the same time I go, nope. I was like, I worked hard to represent New Zealand. That's what I'm doing. And I never, when I was living in Malaysia, because I lived there for 10 years, never experienced people asking, where are you from? Like I got Mm. bullied because... When I went back, I was a full-on Kiwi kid. And that's why I got bullied, because I sounded different to everyone. But the concept of where are you from, that question, wasn't actually asked until I came back here. Hmm. And that was... That's interesting. Yes. So I think because in Malaysia, there's so many different cultures and backgrounds, and it's multicultural, and that's accepted. Yeah. But in New Zealand, it's when I got questions from other brown people Mm -hmm. and white people. Yeah. So... Yeah. So yeah, now when I'm asked, I can be quite aggressive. Just depends what mood I'm in to what the answer is as Actually, well. Actually, that's the same here. It depends on the mood. Yeah. Because if I don't want to talk about it or it's a complete stranger, I'm like, who are you? Like, I don't want to be telling you my information, like my background history, like in this two second conversation that you're trying. Yeah. Like, I don't feel comfortable with that guy that was sitting on the ground. Like, he looked like he may have been drunk. I don't know. He obviously didn't have his key for his girlfriend's apartment because another lady walked past me that lives around the corner and he started talking to her as well and I could hear her trying to end the conversation and so she can get into the like into her room and yeah like he didn't ask her the same questions and she was Indian like she had lighter skin than I do and she was Indian and he didn't ask her the same questions so I went to this was a few years ago now and I went to the dairy just down the road there was a brown dude there and I was getting a bottle of Ribena because I love Ribena <laughs> and he was like oh you're from India and I was like no I'm not I'm from New Zealand he's like no you're not and then I said well I spent time in Malaysia because then I had to kind of justify it 
He's like, no, you didn't, because he didn't believe me. He just wanted me to say India. And I was like, no, oh <laughs> I was gosh. born here. And then I lived in Malaysia. Persuade you to say an answer that they wanted, not something that's actually true. He wasn't having a bar of what oh I was saying. Gosh. So I just got my Arabina and left. But then I thought, what a simple question it is that is so provoking, you know, yeah. and emotion. Because where you're from, you, sh- you should be proud of where you're from. And like, I know I'm proud of being a New Zealander. You're proud of your background and being from Malaysia, but born here. You know, there's every person is made up of their background and their culture in their own way. So for someone to question it and tell you that you're like pretty much telling you you're wrong. This is what you are. That doesn't sit well with me. That obviously doesn't sit well with you as well. You don't want somebody telling you where you're from because you know where you're from you know absolutely yeah. and i think that's so that's ridiculous like i can't stand people that just push you to get an answer that they want like, yeah because that's <laughs> what they understand yeah but so growing up here for you mm. what was it like growing up as a brown woman and you were in a wheelchair right through school um, so actually i was in and out of the wheelchair through schooling so i like yeah i pretty much started my school walking and then within like me being five years old I was in a chair so it's always been up and down throughout my life um so I did walk majority of my school lengths but I with me and my disability I still had like I was still different you know like I was still different but I think I'm also fortunate so when I was growing up like I wouldn't say I had a bad childhood because I didn't I had a pretty average childhood however you still get the people going calling you carry muncher still people going where are you from and being up in a small place like Whangarei at the time there wasn't a big like I guess Indian community let alone Fijian Indian community and so we were probably one out of well me and my sister were two out of probably 10 of people of Indian background at primary school and so the people that I became friends with they were all from different cultures so I grew up in a very multicultural background so most people because of being in Whangarei you grow up with people in primary school and then you go off to intermediate high school so majority of people I actually grew up with came to the same intermediate high school so it wasn't it wasn't too bad with that but going into intermediate that's where I guess things got really bad um, my first year of intermediate was hell, like absolute hell, because kids at that age don't realise that their words hurt like anything. And so I got I got teased majorly for being tall, for being Indian, but not Indian Indian, for being um, bigger, bigger than my other classmates, because all of them were tiny and petite and being different colour, being having a disability, not being able to do stuff. All those things, like, I remember my year seven being very horrible, like, very, very horrible, and I wanted to, you know, just end things, and I wanted to change schools, and I wasn't allowed to, and it was it was probably the worst time of my life. And then by year eight, I found a group of friends, and, you know, they stuck by me throughout schooling, and things just got better. But, yeah, I guess things like, you know, I've always been brought up with being called curry muncher, and my answer to that every time is... Of course I'm a curry muncher. I love curry. Like, don't even start. Like, you can't use that as an insult. <laughs> so so for me, somebody calls me a curry muncher. I never say thank you, obviously, because I'm like, that's not what you're intending. But I always go, of course I'm a curry muncher. Like, I love curry. Like, would you not love curry? It's like, you know, 
It's like, you're, you might be white, but you probably still love curry too. Like, yeah. So, you know, things like that, I'm like, it's like people are dumb. But at the same time, you kind of get accepting of it because you're like, that's just what people say. And then you shouldn't have to think like that though. No. Yeah. And that's been the hardest thing. I think, I think from my mid-twenties on, it's when I really woke up to adulthood mm. and how unfair and scathing the world can be. Yeah, definitely. And that has been a huge wake-up call. I feel like I'm conscious of it every day now as an mm. adult that, yeah. man, the world's unfair, especially when you're a minority. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. So that's why we need more representation mm. and we need more of these stories out there because yeah. I think it can make a change when you're educating people and a really good like thing I saw online was educate don't hate yeah and that's that's a big push at the moment is yeah educate the person don't just backlash to them and don't just tell them off and tell them what's right educate them to tell them hey look what you're saying is wrong and this is why and this is what you should actually do or look up or educate yourself on this and this and this. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just, it breaks my heart a lot because you're like, I want to do something, but how to do it? Mm. And, you know, there's so many conflicting ideas on social media as well that it can be really stressful when you're trying to find the right resources. But the thing I've learned with social media is that because people you are living in your own online bubble. Mm. You are perpetuating your ideas. Mm -hmm. I think that's the word because you're getting retargeted the same ads. Your t interests are being fed back to you. So therefore you think your ideas are correct. Mm -hmm. And that is how a lot of conflict happens when people with two different ideas come together. Clash, yeah. So I think it's also definitely up to all of us to open ourselves up to other opinions. Um, as many resources as possible yeah i totally agree with that because it's hard it's hard to go cool i'm gonna like for me personally because i always think about what i put up and you know when it comes to yeah conflicting ideas i'm like do i want to get involved in this right now with somebody that doesn't agree with us or would i rather just put up a post be like this is how it is on my side or whatever, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard, especially because not, not because of the, Oh, I don't want to lose my friends or I don't want to lose my family members or whatever. It's more that you start kind of almost questioning what you know as well, because you go, is it the right information or do I need more? Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, I guess everybody has a different approach. And for me personally, I, I go with the positive approach each time sometimes I struggle with talking about the hard stuff especially on social media I'd rather talk about it like this or um you know video call or you know one-on-one -on -one with someone but for s social media it's really hard like really hard because you go well I, I want to be my voice but how to do that in like a way that's going to educate and not just be like this is my point of view you have to like it. Have you faced uh, any online bullying on your platforms? Um, at the moment, um, I in the past, I kind of have. Um, more so, it's kind of like indirect indirect bullying. So kind of like, for, for example, I started my, um, I've got a Facebook page for my athlete life, right? Um, 
And so when I started that, the reason why I started it was because I had so, the original reason was because I had so many people always ask me, how's my training going? What have been up to? Like, how are my competitions? Blah, blah, blah. And these were people that, like, my mum's friends from work, um, family friends, and people that I didn't have on my social media. So I was like, cool, I'm going to make a page so anybody can follow it, and then they know what I'm up to. It's just open. It's out there. And I remember being, um, because we also have a page for the range, um, the person that was in charge of that always highlighted other people and left me out. And I and continuously would still probably do that as well. And for me, like when we have competitions and things, if I've taken photos, I'm always putting it up on the range page and saying, hey, congratulations to all these people. Like they've done really well. And because the photos that I've taken, I'm obviously not in them unless it's one that somebody else has done for me. So I'm not going to highlight myself because I've already got my own page to do that. But their reasoning was you've got your own page, you can do what you want. I'm like, but that's not the point. Like the whole point is it's the range page. You should be doing it equally, you know? And then you start going, well, this person doesn't treat me like an equal at the range anyway. And my race comes into it. My, my gender comes into it. You know, my opinions because they're quite strong come into it. All these things happen. I'm like, you know, like how can you be so like, yeah. It's hard working with everyone's biases as well. Yeah, and especially because for me as an athlete, like I promote shooting like anything. Like I love shooting. Do you call out the online discrimination or bullying when you get it now? Yeah, so with this particular person, so that's where I was going with it. So every time, so because my profile, like I promote shooting a lot and because of that, a lot of places like Paralympics New Zealand, Parafit Auckland, all these places want to use me because I'm a good ambassador. So because of that, I, I'm kind of, I wouldn't say I'm the face of shooting in New Zealand, but it gets to that point where, you know, I've got a social media kind of following because I've done interviews, I've done podcasts, I've done all these things. And so this particular person, and I remember it being last year, um, when I was getting all the publicity for going to the world championships, it was always me and my coach, but there were other people on the team, obviously, but I wasn't in control of that social media post that was happening. And this person would post on it really abruptly and, and be like, well, it's not like, wouldn't go, oh, it's not just those two. It'd be like, well, this person and this person's going and they're amazing. And but, and it kind of undermined what I like, you know, undermined me or, you know, I felt like it was an attack on me every time. And it happened more than once. So for me, I was like, how do I solve this? Like, hmm. So I would make posts that include everybody because that's what I can do, not, you know, but that person didn't care. It was because I was getting more publicity than other people. And, you know, it's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm not doing it for myself. I'm doing it for the sport. The sport is what matters at the moment. And I also mm. think that people who have grown up or have had experiences with family or themselves not being included, and I speak for minorities on this one, you know how important it is to include people. Exactly. And you are more inclusive because of that. Yeah, exactly. You you want everybody to be involved regardless of what's happening. Like, even for me at the range, if I see somebody that's really quiet, doesn't really speak to many people, I will instantly go over there and just be like, hey, how's it going? How you been? What, what have you been up to? 
and get that person talking because I don't want them feeling left out because they don't have that voice to speak out you know so yeah I just felt and the person that I, I'm referring to I'm not going to name names but you know the the like old white very old school very narrow-minded and has big issues around color gender all these things because it's a person that that wants to dominate and control things and I just wonder how do you undo those biases though I guess it's Mm. up to the person maybe to be open to educating themselves that there are so many different walks of life and there are different colors and yeah and unfortunately there are people out there that don't want to change they don't yeah they're just stuck on what they know and they're like I'm not going to change that and and everything's fine yeah right yeah and they go you know, I've got my opinion and whatever you say is wrong. Yeah. Like I've got people in my family that do that. And you know what? I'm, I'm very grateful for the family I come from because all of us will say something if that person say something that's absolutely wrong. So, and like, even like, you know, just even if they're family, even if you're close to them, we have no problem with arguing what we know is right, especially because we're people of color and unfortunately this person isn't of color just in our family though so yeah educating people is the biggest thing and making sure that everyone is included and everyone is getting an equal chance is is pretty much what i live for yes yeah same yeah so when does training start for you again for the next qualifying round because i guess you don't know when that is yeah so at the moment i'm actually trying out new things (laughs) um but training's still there i guess just it's how much i want to train is is probably the issue at the moment because for me on a normal basis if we were getting ready for the games and getting ready for a world cup or whatever i'd be training five six times a week so I'll be fully into it, getting everything down to a T, and I'd be spending long hours at the range. Like I'll probably be at the range more than I'd be at home. Um, but yeah, with everything going on, I guess um, I've got a bit of time to figure that out. So I'm still training at the moment, but just not as much as I would be in a normal situation. But then again, I can I can choose like how my training regime goes. So for example, I can say train later on today or I can train on like the days I'm not working so yeah that will probably start picking up within actually this coming month because I just want to get back into it and start working on certain techniques and things and building up my my scores so by the time things get ready and you know by the time everything settles down and we're back on the playing field then you know I want to be ready so that will just happen naturally yeah well that's so great to hear that mm. you're getting back into it and i can't wait to see you at the paralympics i know yeah. you will fingers get crossed. there fingers crossed you will you <laughs> work so hard and you're so talented and oh, great thanks, things for you, you. <laughs>